Canada, our home and native land. True. Hey, welcome back to the High Button Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Justin Belanger. Thank you very much for tuning in. I do truly appreciate that. Thank you. There's tons of podcasts out there. Everywhere you look, left, right, center, there's a new podcast popping up. So I appreciate the fact that you tuned in here with me at the high button. If you could do us a quick favor, go on over to our iTunes page, give us a rating and a comment. It's little things like that that allow the high button to reach a bigger fan base. And at the end of the day, that's all we're looking to do is find more people to listen to our podcast. And that would be great. I appreciate that. Uh, So yeah, happy Canada Day. Oh, Canada, 152 years of... I don't want to say perfection, but you know, 152 years of uh, you know of a great history of a country. I think I've only been in this country for the past 27 years, and I don't really have too many complaints. You know, I like it. You know, whenever I turn into the news and I see other countries and what they're going through, it makes me appreciate uh, what we have here in Canada: beautiful lakes, beautiful air, nature, wilderness. <clears throat> lakes i love lakes i live uh, i don't live on a lake but our family has a place on a lake and i know other countries have lakes but i just love lakes i love uh, getting out into the middle of the woods and relaxing putting my feet up i have an amazing hammock out by my lake i lay in the hammock i feel the wind in my face i read a book i lied there i don't read a book but i'll listen to a podcast and i know other countries have lakes i know that you know, there's nothing special about Canada when it comes to, you know, these types of things. When you think of the states, yeah, sure, they have Montana where, you know, I'm sure it's beautiful out there. Colorado, Denver, whatever. Middle America, I hear, is very beautiful as well. But I think it's just, it's what comes with this country. You know, it's more bang for your buck. It's the people. It's the hospitality. It's the customer service. It's, you know, when someone holds a door for you, a complete stranger says, Has a, have a great day. Yeah, maybe not in some parts of this country. Maybe there's a little bit, you know, you're going to have a dick every now and then. That that just comes with the territory. That's what, that's what comes with the territory of being born on this world. Not everybody is going to be what you want them to be. But all you can do is be the best version of you. Look in the mirror. Try to grow every day as a person. And hopefully that's good enough. And, uh, and hopefully they, I don't know what I'm talking about. Jesus. But I love Canada. Canada's a great place to live. Oh, Canada, 152 years. So if you're from here or if you're somewhere else in the world and uh, you are Canadian, just know that you should be very proud, especially in today's day and age of, uh, of this country. So yeah, enough about Canada. Today on the podcast, this guy, what do I say about this guy, Noah Dobson? So essentially, my introduction to Noah Dobson was 2017-18... No, 2018-19, when he won the Mem Cup with the Acadie Bathers, I was watching him on Sportsnet, and the guy caught my eye. The guy caught my eye for the first time there, and how effortless, I guess, he made the game seem to him. When he watching him on TV, he just always made the right play. He never really made a mistake. He was always on the ice, first of all, uh, crazy amounts of ice time, and then he got traded to, uh, sorry, then he did win a Mem Cup last year, then he got traded to Rouen this year, and the Mem Cup uh, was in Halifax this year, and dudes and myself were fortunate enough to go to these games, 
And we were amazed by watching this guy in person. He was on the ice all the time. So I remember dude said, you know what? We're tracking his ice time. I don't believe anyone else what they say about his ice time. I want to do it for myself. So dudes got out his phone, started tracking his minutes. And, you know, they were up there in the 36, 40 minute mark of of a game. We watch him. He wouldn't come off. He would stay out there. The coach wouldn't even talk to him. It, it almost seemed like he would go out when he wanted to and he would come back when he wanted to. Uh, the guy also played on the World Juniors this year in Vancouver. Not the outcome that the team wanted this year, but still a household name in Canadian hockey. Uh, drafted by the New York Islanders last year in 2018. 12th overall. If you ask me, the guy is going to be playing for the Islanders next year. There's just there's just no way around it. The, the guys, uh, I don't want to pump his tires here too much, but he was definitely a treat to watch this year in Halifax at the Mem Cup. Obviously, they win the President's Cup this year in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. So think about that. Two, no, that's like four cups. They got two President's Cups and two Mem Cups, this guy. So he has four cups in the past two years. I mean... What do you want me to say? You know, the, the, the guy's resume speaks for itself. So we're lucky enough to uh, have Noah come on the podcast. I'm sure his summers are full of full of relaxing, working out, being with his family because the guy's playing a lot of hockey and he's, uh, he's only going to be playing much more hockey in the NHL for the New York Islanders. So we met him at the Mem Cup. We got an interview with him and we said after the interview that he's going to have to come on the podcast. He was more than welcome to. So this is our interview with Noah Dobson. Once again, happy Canada Day. Here we go. All right, Noah, we're going, man. Thank you for uh, thank you for joining the show. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. How's life? The past two years have been pretty hectic for you. Now it's the summertime. You must be uh, you must be relaxing. I I imagine. Yeah, no, obviously a uh, pretty pretty crazy couple of years. It's uh, definitely nice to be home now for the, the summer. I haven't been home much the last two years, so it's nice to be home with family and friends and just kind of relax a bit, get on the golf course a bit, and enjoy the summer and get ready for next season. What do you do in, uh, in PEI in the summertime? I remember going there as a kid. It's one of the best places to, uh, to camp and golf and swim and do a bunch of stuff. What do you, uh, what do you like to do out there? Yeah, no, it's a pretty, uh, pretty beautiful spot in the summertime. Last summer, I didn't get a chance to be here much, so I'm happy to be here now. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a big golfer. I'm into the golf now, so I'm golfing lots uh, with the weather and then with training and stuff, and then the beautiful beaches as well. So whenever you get the nice weather, it's either I'm usually at the beach or I get out to the golf course. But it's, uh, it's a great spot to be in the summertime. There's lots of lots of guys. Lots of my buddies are out golfing as well, so we have pretty fun. Lots of fun with that. The first time I was ever introduced to washer toss was in Summerside. Do you play washer toss? Yeah, the odd, the odd washer toss game at some one of the buddy's cottage or something. But it's, yeah, there's lots of stuff like that going on in the summertime with, uh, with games like that. It's a pretty laid-back spot, so you can really enjoy it and relax here on the island. Love it. So you just got back from uh, development camp. How was that? Yeah, no, it was uh, really good, really nice to get back out to Long Island and see some familiar faces. It's uh, a little less stressful going into my second year of development. I can't kind of know what to expect. I mean, last year, just being drafted and the, leaving the next day after the draft to development camp was a little stressful. You didn't really know what to expect, but it was, uh, it was a really good camp. Uh, I was able to learn lots and uh, great coaching and then got, got to a Yankees game at Yankee Stadium versus Blue Jays as well, so that was pretty cool. That's sick. I, what's Yankee Stadium like? I've never been 
to New York in general. So, yeah, what's New York like? I heard it's just busy. Yeah, no, it's, uh, well, the Islanders uh, facilities in Long Island, so it's kind of out of the busy part, but uh, we went into the city, uh, into the Bronx, where the Yankee Stadium is, it's a pretty incredible stadium, I mean, you see uh, see the amount of money they put into that stadium, and uh, just, uh, it's kind of a cool experience, the Yankees are, have such a rich tradition, so to be there to catch a game is really cool, but yeah, the, the city itself, it's uh, a lot of traffic, you're waiting in traffic, so if you're, if you're not patient, it's probably not the best spot for but it's uh it's pretty busy but it's nice the uh, islanders uh, facilities kind of out of the way a bit in long island so you kind of get away from all the craziness and all all the traffic and that stuff and how busy it is in the city how do you know uh have you figured out the subway line in new york yet no i haven't uh, haven't got to that yet i think it's uh probably take a little bit of catch on i mean there's so much so much moving parts to it so i'm still still trying to learn the ropes with that isn't there, what's the, there's food, the dollar pizza, have you ever gotten a dollar slice in New York yet? No, I haven't, I mean, uh, I, the only times I've been there is for the development camp, so you're just there for a short time, the yeah. uh, training camp last year, so you're you're pretty uh, focused and you're pretty busy at the rink, but uh, I'm sure once, uh, if I play with the Islanders one day, I'll be able to get out and mentor all that stuff that you do in New York City. Yeah, one day soon, I'm assuming, or at least I think in my mind. So what do they what do they make you do here at development camp? All you know the fans. All we get to see is uh, things on social media and some video. But it looks like a lot of team building. What are some things I guess that the Islanders are doing uh, at development camp? Yeah, no, it's uh, usually the early on in the week you'll have like a practice and uh, a workout each day. Then you'll kind of have a guest speaker, whether it be uh, someone from the organization or uh, one year they brought in a, a guy from the mil- a Navy SEAL and he uh, he talked about like the experience of how in the Army it's kind of similar. You're, you're in a team and you got to have trust in each other's back. So you do a lot of team building stuff with that, which is pretty cool to hear other people speak rather than the coaches and stuff all the time. And then usually at night they'll feel give you an activity like we went to the went to the Yankees game one night and then we went to like kind of a, a beach club uh, one night where it was like there's lots of you go out in the water and kayaks and stuff so it was pretty cool and then uh, then we did we did go-karting one night too so they kind of they kind of put in the work in the morning with the workouts and skates and the power skating and all that and they usually try and throw in a fun activity at night just to, just so you get to meet the guys and kind of get away from the rink and enjoy yourself as well as it's, it's June so you you want to be focused on hockey but at the same time you want to enjoy yourself and enjoy the experience you said that it's your your second year there obviously do you look to almost be a leader when you're going back to these development camps or do you just almost want to be a sponge and listen to everything that everyone's telling you and you know soak up the experience like what's your mindset going into it yeah, I think uh, just a little bit of both. I mean, I know my first year I was just a, just a sponge trying to soak everything up, and there was guys there who, who was their second and third camp, so I was able to kind of lean on them if I ever need anything. But come back this year, kind of know what to expect. I was just trying to trying to soak up everything and learn as much as I can, but at the same time, uh, there was guys there at their first camp, so if you saw someone uh, who, who was looking for something or didn't know their way around that well, you, you try and help them out. So it's a little bit of both. You try and be a leader for the, the first-year guys, but at the same time, uh, you want to get better as a player as well. So you try and learn and soak up as much as you can. I mean, it's uh, pretty cool. You have so much, so many great professional coaches there to, to learn lots from. So you just try and soak it all up for the week and take it back with you in the summer and get ready for the main camp in September. That's sick. Um, I, I want to talk about the younger days. I saw that you played hockey in Austria. Is that yeah. right? Is my research right there? Yeah. 
Okay, yeah, I want to. No. I want to know what uh, what sparked that. Like, how how did that come about? Yeah, no, uh, my uh, my QMJHL draft year, I was uh, I was planning on going off the island. I felt that it was, it was best for me, and uh, I had a couple options. I was kind of looking into maybe going into Ontario, and playing in the GTHL league there, and it ended up falling through and uh, didn't work out. And the Red Bull Academy in Salzburg, Austria, the the scouts there, like. Uh, Paul Henry, uh, Brian Savage, who played for played in the NHL for years with the Habs, and Pierre Paget were kind of the North American guys over there that were running it. And they they ended up reaching out, and at first you're kind of like, oh, like what, not going to Austria, sort of thing. You're kind of on the on the fence about it. Then once I kind of looked into it more, they ended up saying like, we'll we'll fly you and your dad out to come see the facilities and stuff. And like, if you you want to stay, you can stay. And if it's not for you, you can, you can head back. So I ended up flying out with my dad, and uh, the facilities were were unbelievable. I mean, uh, Red Bull sponsored everything, so you can just imagine the, the amount of toys they had there with the, the two Olympic ice services, the skate treadmills, the synthetic ice, the rapid shots, and all that stuff. It's kind of like a, a hockey players uh, Disney World there's uh, so much to do for a hockey player there to improve and just the whole life experience as well living overseas in Europe at only 15 you but on my own so it was kind of cool that I got to see different parts of the world that I may never get a chance to get back to and play the game you love at the same time so looking back at it, it was a really really unique experience to look back from especially at a young age and I was really happy with my decision to, to go there did you get free Red Bull yeah, it was pretty cool all around the all around the like we stayed at like academy, so our dorm rooms were there, and then you walked down the stairs, you got the where you eat and the meal hall, and then you got the rinks and stuff. So and then around the academy, there was a bunch of fridges filled with all these different type of Red Bulls. So awesome, that's, cool. that's wicked. Yeah. So you said 15 years old. You can't lie, man. Like that must have been tough. 15 years old, leaving the house. Was there any you know as soon as your parents left, was there any emotion that ran through you? when your parents left because you know that's the real deal going overseas at 15 playing hockey or did you know almost at the back of your head like this is what I need to do in order to make the NHL like what was your mindset I guess as soon as your parents left yeah no it was uh, it was definitely tough at times I mean with the time change as well as I think it was like a six hour time change so like you don't get much chance to talk to the people back home but uh I was pretty fortunate we had a couple we had a few North Americans over there and Brian Savage his his son Ryan was there so his whole family was over there and they were really good for the North Americans like on the weekends they take all the North American guys out and we go skiing or something like that so he was kind of like a, a family there that if we ever need anything he made us feel comfortable and then I was able to have one of my best buddies from Summerside as well Jeremy McKenna who plays for the for the Wildcats he he ended up coming over like a couple weeks after after I got there so it was cool to have your best friend there so you kind of go through those as well when you're whenever you're homesick or that stuff you kind of have buddies there and so overall is it was tough at times but there's lots of North Americans there that you kind of were in the same shoes as you so they kind of helped make the transition a little easier okay cool you said that you went skiing are you more of a skier or a snowboarder uh, I, I've tried snowboarding. I couldn't really get the hang of it, but that was actually my, my first time skiing was, uh, on the Austrian Alps. So it was pretty cool. I was pretty, uh, pretty amazed by how, how big the mountains are over there. So I was definitely a little slow getting down the hill, but it was uh, overall a pretty cool experience. <laughs> nice. Right on. Um, so speaking of experience, I want to talk about two experiences. First, uh, playing in Bathurst for the first time. What was, uh, what was your 
adjustment like playing uh, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League? Did you find it tough at the beginning and then you eased your way in? Or did you just jump into it and felt comfortable uh, right from the start? Yeah, no, uh, a little bit of both. I think uh, it kind of helped uh, the experience I, I had the first uh, the years before uh, being away from home. I kind of knew what to expect on living on your own because that's kind of one of the adjustments for some guys. This is the first time they move away from home as junior hockey. So I kind of had that experience already. And then getting drafted to Bathurst was really cool. I mean, uh, both my parents are from Bathurst, New Brunswick. So I ended up uh, my builds for my grandparents, actually. So oh, sick that made the transition a, a little smoother. I mean, you're getting your grandma's home cooking all the time and she's taking care of you. But, uh, from the, from the hockey side, uh, my coach, uh, Mario, who's coached me the last three years was, uh, he was really good with me as a young player, just kind of easing into it at the start. And then after a couple months in, you, you really felt comfortable and you started to get more, more of a significant role with the team. And then I'd say like after a few months, you, you kind of fit in, you just, uh, let your instincts take over. I mean, you're, you're playing in a league with 20-year-olds 20, 20 and 19-year-olds, and you're still a little 16-year-old kid. So there's definitely adjustment at the time, but I think uh, with great coaches, they really helped that. And lots of great teammates were around too. So if you ever need anything, uh, they're always there to help, like the veteran guys. So they're really good good with me and it made the transition a lot easier. What's your favorite dish your grandmother cooks? Oh, boy. I think there's lots, but uh, I don't know. She makes... Uh, I don't even think I can name one. She she's a really good cook, so she's always. I wake up in the morning, she'd have the breakfast ready, the the eggs and bacon and some toast and fruit and all that. So I was pretty fortunate. She spoiled me pretty good for a few there, few years there. Did you uh, did you ever? Obviously, I'm assuming you've met Sean Couturier. What's he like as a guy? Obviously, a great NHL uh, an NHL player. Uh, what was your what was your what was it like meeting him? Yeah, no, he was uh, he was a great guy. I got to meet meet him a couple times. Obviously, with his uh, his dad being the general manager in the summer times, he he's back in Bathurst a bit. And it's, uh, my first year was pretty cool. They actually had like a ceremony in the summer where I was at some of the players were at. They, they named like the road that you uh, you drive into the rink named Sean Gachuri Avenue. So it says a lot about the the type of person he is and how much of a big of an impact he has in the city of Bathurst. So he's a, he was a great guy, a really cool guy to meet. And, it was pretty cool to see uh, see a street named after him. That's sick. Who knows? Maybe it'll be Dobson Street one day. Who knows? You never know. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> um, okay, and then winning the Mem Cup there, your second year. You know, you won the President's Cup, and then you just go ahead and you win the Mem Cup, I guess just because you want to. You know, obviously none of this is part of the plan. You hope for these things, but as soon as they set in and they happen, you know, what what was your experience, I guess, winning uh, winning those two trophies there? Yeah, for the for the first uh, time for the first time it's kind of it's uh it's kind of weird how it works out you're like in the season you don't you don't really realize how good of a team you're on until it's after the fact and you've won the championships so like going in the season i knew we were going to have a real competitive team and but as the season goes on and on then you're still in the top two in the league and then you get into playoffs and next thing you know you, you snap your fingers and you're you're in the president cup final and you're like wow like this is a this is a really good team we're on we have a really good chance to do something special here but it's uh with an unbelievable group of guys like real close-knit group and uh, to win the championship on game six uh on home ice too in the city of bathurst which is kind of known as a market but doesn't get a lot of fan support but uh we had incredible support that whole second half and the playoffs they really ramped it up so it was really cool to win in bathurst with their fans and the celebration afterwards was unbelievable and then going into the memorial cup uh 
we're kind of like the the underdogs. I'd say the Q's usually gets gets little underdogs, which uh, I mean, the last two years the Q's won the won the Memorial Cup, so maybe that'll change. But uh, yeah, I think you helped out because of that, though. That's that's because of you. Yeah. So uh, we were we were kind of underdogs, and going in, we didn't really know what to expect, so we were just kind of focused on that first game. And you win the first game, you you, you get yourself in the tournament because that means you're going to be guaranteed to play in at least a tiebreaker game. So we just won the first game, and we just kind of rolled, and we had lots of confidence after that. And uh, obviously, winning the World Cup was an incredible experience. I mean, we beat the, the home team in Regina. So then when we got back to Bathurst off the plane, uh, it was like five thousand people there with the town of population of twelve thousand. So it was a uh, really cool experience i was happy to win those two two championships in that city i think they deserve it. it's kind of a it's a small market they have a real passionate fan base now especially now after winning the championships and to have family in the city too it's a pretty special you're gonna have memories for the rest of your life and uh the goalie on the team evan fitzpatrick he was on the podcast a couple weeks ago you got to give me some dirt on him he seemed like a really normal guy but everybody knows goalies have their weird thing so what was his when when the when you guys won during the season oh, oh geez i don't really know where to start with fitz yeah uh, he uh, he came in at Christmas and uh, we ended up being roommates on the road, so we got to know each other pretty good. But I mean, that guy's uh, that guy's always glued on Facetime on the on the road with his girlfriend. So I think that's one thing that he's uh, he's pretty dialed on the road. You don't hear much from him. He's always on his phone on Facetime. But uh, he was a great guy. He was a great roommate to have, and uh, got to score lots of goals on him at practice. So it was always good for the confidence shooting on him. We're just we just need you two both on the podcast. I'll just sit here and shut up. You guys just go back and forth at each other yeah i know yeah no he's a he had a he was great for us especially down the the stretch i mean he got a shutout in the moral cup final i don't think many goalies can say that so uh, he was a great player for us and it was a great guy as well it was great to get to know him and we're still in touch now today and uh, usually see him bumping him a couple times around the summer whether i'm skating in halifax or he's over on the island so he's a he's a great player for us um i want to talk about the world juniors obviously not the best uh outturn outcome of what you guys wanted but i just want you to talk about that experience uh in general representing uh team canada yeah it was uh, i mean like you said it wasn't the outcome we wanted obviously you want to win the gold medal but uh Representing Canada on that big of a stage in Vancouver on home soil, I mean, it was a, it was a dream come true. I mean, uh, the amount of fans, I mean, every game was, I think it was, like, pretty sold out in the NHL arena, so that was a really special and just wearing that maple leaf is a it's a dream come true and a huge honor so the the whole experience itself is something that you're going to remember but uh obviously it would have been nice to win the gold medal for the fans and uh but uh overall it was just an incredible experience and something i'm going to remember for the rest of my life yeah well said and you did uh you mentioned that obviously the tournament was in vancouver uh myself and dudes just got back from vancouver we were at the nhl draft and you know, we weren't even getting drafted. We were hoped to get. We were hoping to get drafted. Obviously, we didn't. But we had a great experience, and we couldn't imagine. You know, you got drafted into the NHL by the New York Islanders. So I just want you to talk about your experience uh, getting drafted. Where was it again? It was Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. yeah so no, so uh, talk about that experience. Pretty uh, pretty uh, surreal uh, weekend. Still looking back at it. I mean, it's a pretty quick turnaround after we won the Moral Cup. I was right to the combine, and then after the combine, I think it was ten days, and then I was off to the draft. So once you get once you got all that stuff over with, and you got to Dallas for the draft, it kind of set in that you're you're gonna get drafted to the NHL, and just to have all your friends and family there, you go out for dinner with them, and 
I mean, looking back at it, I was pretty stressed on during the day before the draft. So I think it was one thing I'd change just to enjoy it a little more. But uh, you get like that, you want to know where you're going, and you have all these scenarios going around in your head. But uh, once my name was called to get drafted, the Islanders organization was a huge dream come true. And I think just special moments like after your name's called, uh, giving your parents a hug and your sister and stuff, those are those are kind of memories you have for the rest of your life. And just uh, couldn't be more excited now to be part of the Islanders organization. We um we somehow got lucky and we stayed in the hotel that the players were staying in and the GMs and the coaches and everything. And we noticed the trend with the players, how they almost kept to themselves. There was a bunch of autograph seekers outside and, you know, players didn't really sign autographs. Players stuck to themselves before the draft. Is that because, like, they're so nervous and they just want to they want to keep to themselves? They know they have to do these uh, these interviews with the GMs. Like, is that how you felt almost? You just wanted to stick to yourself before you heard your name called? Yeah, no, I think that just uh, comes with the nerves and anxiety of the whole experience. I mean, uh, the the combine itself is pretty stressful with all the interviews with the GMs and stuff. And once you get there, you, it's so close that you can you kind of taste it. But at the same time, it's in your back of your mind how stressful it is. And you, you don't know, you don't really know where you're going to go until your name's called unless like you're projected like first overall pick but yeah. it's uh, i think that just comes with the nerves and stress of it but i think that that's part of it i mean uh, some players are some all the guys are different some guys are more loose and they just go out there and see what happens and enjoy it but some guys are pretty stressed and they get up tight so i think it just uh, has something to do with that and what was it like meeting don cherry at the stanley cup playoffs last year what was that experience yeah, that, like? Yeah, that was a that was a pretty cool experience too. I mean, uh, you watched him so many years growing up on set, Hockey Night in Canada, and he, he's such a icon in the, the hockey world still today. So it was really cool to meet him and just be around the Stanley Cup Finals. A uh, incredible experience. I mean, uh, the, the streets of Washington, everywhere as you went, were filled with people with the watch party outside. So just being in, in the lower bowl to watching that game it was, it was crazy how packed it was I mean we, we were there for warm-ups and there wasn't an empty seat and it was loud so it was, looking back it was a really cool experience and kind of gives you the motivation one day hoping that you're, you're you're able to play in a Stanley Cup final did you meet Ovechkin yeah we actually uh we did get to, went to the Washington practice facility before the morning skate uh, so we got to meet. So it was kind of cool. Ovi, Ovi came out, took a picture with us. He's walking around in his underwear and his, his skin tight shirt. So it was kind of funny looking at the picture. He's got his underwear on and his shirt on. But as uh, got to meet him, got to meet some of the other Washington guys, and we uh, went over to the Capital One Arena, I think it's called, and we got to meet the Vegas guys too. So overall, it was a uh, pretty, pretty cool. I mean, it says a lot about those teams. I mean, they're taking time to meet us. Uh, morning skate before like game four of the Stanley Cup final so it's a it's a lot about them uh, they took time other day to meet us so that was really cool and s- stuff that we're gonna remember awesome um okay so let's talk about this year you know you got traded to Rouen um they were one of the best teams in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League as you were going there actually as you got traded Heinem was on our podcast as soon as we were done the podcast Heinem looked at his phone and I think he found out that you got traded to the team and he was pumped so I just essentially I want to get your reaction of being traded there. Obviously, it couldn't have been that easy knowing that you're leaving your you know your grandmother's or wherever you were leaving in uh, in Bathurst and going to a, a Northern Quebec team. So what were the emotions uh, when you first got traded? Yeah, a little, a little bit of mixed emotions, I'd say. I mean, uh, when I left for the World Junior Camp, I I knew I was going to be moved, and I knew it was coming pretty well the whole whole time I was there the first half. So. You kind of had it in the back of your head that you knew it was coming, but 
obviously when you, you do get traded and it comes through, it's uh, it's tough leaving a place where you, you created so many memories when you win a championship there and with my grandparents, like you said. But uh, I was uh, I was a little on the edge at first going to a place in northern Quebec, but I think uh, knowing they had a couple of maritime guys like Tyler and, and Ryan McClellan, I mean, they, they were really great. I mean, don't want to pump Tyler's tires too much he's already got a big big head after scoring a few game-winning goals in the world <laughs> cup but he was uh, he was really good for me and we were roommates on the road he's really he really welcomed me into the organization and just uh knowing mario pouliot my my coach and bathers for the first two years was there too so he played a big role in getting me there and uh guys like tyler and ryan made the transition a lot easier as well go and play for a coach that you're comfortable with made it easy too and i had unbelievable builds and the whole organization itself was uh, really great and made the transition easy so then you end up winning the league um i don't even know what question to ask but you know you won the league I, I hate asking the question what was your emotion but i have to ask it what was the emotion knowing that you just won back-to-back president's cup yeah it was uh like I said, it's kind of hasn't really all sunk in yet. I don't think it happens so fast, like in, when you're in the moment. But it was, uh, it was really cool. I mean, it's uh, you dream of winning championships all your life. I mean, that's why you play the game. And I was fortunate to win, win one in Bathurst and win another in Bathurst, and then this year to do the same thing again. I mean, it's uh, pretty fortunate to play on so many great teams. But uh, it was, it was a great series too versus Halifax. I mean, it was tight. I mean, I was getting anxious near the end, going in Game Six. Was, but as it's really cool, especially winning the Maritimes. It was nice having lots of friends and family there, and it was, uh, it's pretty cool to say you're a back-to-back uh, Presidents Cup and Memorial Cup champion. So coming into Halifax, knowing that the Memorial Cup was here, was there more pressure on you? Because you know, in my mind and in dudes' mind too, when we were watching you from up above, we were thinking, you know, the guy you already have a Mem Cup, you already have a Presidents Cup, you already drafted, you already signed. Like we just found that the pressure wasn't there for you, but yet you still played amazing. You logged a bunch of ice time and you rose to the occasion. So in your mind, was there less pressure going into this Mem Cup, or do you still put pressure on yourself in order to, you know, to produce? Yeah, I think uh, a little bit of both. I mean, my first Memorial Cup, I I was a lot more stressed and a lot more pressure on myself. I feel like because it was uh, it was my draft year and it's, uh, your last chance to leave an impression on the scouts. So you you were putting pressure on yourself for that. And I think uh, this year going in, I was a little more a little more calm and composed. I think with just the experience I had my first year and knowing what's like there at the same time already being drafted so you're not you're not worried about that in the back of your head but uh, you still put pressure on yourself to to play to your play to your expectations and uh, kind of do whatever you can to help the team win but I felt I definitely felt a lot more comfortable a lot more calm and composed going to my second World Cup just knowing what to expect and the experience the game my first one and just not having the, the whole draft rankings and all that stuff in the back of your head as well has uh has anyone booed you this summer yet no just like outside of outside of the ring they'll, they'll throw out a boo here and there just to make a joke at it but uh i heard i heard lots of that in a, in a month time i spent in halifax for you all may so <laughs> don't don't need to hear any more of that i guess hey man well hey i appreciate you coming on i'm sure you're gonna get less and less uh booze as your career goes on i'm sure new york is gonna love you um and like i said man just thanks for taking the time out and coming on the podcast no worries thanks for having me Even when I'm crying crazy, yeah, I got boy problems, that's the human in me. 
I'm glad you're back with your bitch. I mean, who would wanna hide this? I will never, ever, 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 ever be your side chick. I put the singing single, ain't worried about a ring on my finger. So you can tell your friend, shoot your shot when you see him. It's okay, he already in my DM. Like, I, I, I.